you believe in germs, right? I'm not crazy. Of course not. Of course not. You want to escape, right? That's very sane. That's very sane. I can help you. You want me to, don't you? Get you out. You know how to get out of here? <laughs> yes, my son. Then why don't you? Why don't I try to escape? That's what you're going to ask me, right? Good question. Very good question. Intelligent. Because I would be crazy to escape. I have sent out word. I am all taken care of. What does that mean? I've managed to contact certain underlings, evil spirits, secretaries of secretaries, and other assorted minions who will contact my father. And when my father finds out I'm in this kind of place, he'll, he'll have them transfer me to one of those classy joints. Ah, where they treat you properly, like a person, like a guest, like with sheets and towels, like a big hotel with great drugs. For all us nutcase lunatic maniac devils! <laughs> with Matt Wilson today who's a former teammate and now the director for um, Green Edge and <laughs> he said uh, oh, I always see you tweeting about it and I know it's going to be good I've been meaning to listen to it I really want to listen to it which is probably one of the more honest things people have said to me about the podcast I appreciate all the positive feedback I've gotten but there's a there's a part of my brain that doesn't believe it. There's a part of my brain that believes it. 
people uh, are just being nice when they see me, you know, and it's, uh, for some reason it's easier to believe an insult than a compliment, I don't know, you, it feels, it feels more honest, which is probably opposite, I mean, it's so much easier and a cop-out to be a dick, you know, like you're just, Sitting behind an anonymous screen name, not creating anything, and you just fucking get it criticized instantly. But for some reason, you fucking believe it. And I have no idea why we do that. We just, I guess it's just our own insecurities, and people add to them, and we agree. We're like, yes, sir, you are fucking correct. I am a worthless piece of junk. How astute of you to fucking notice that. Wow, Creed, this is getting off good. While we're on it, Mike, let's just figure out what the fuck you've been doing with your life. Well, I've been driving a team bus to tour Utah. And I know on the surface of it, it seems pretty bad, but I gotta promise you guys this. I'm having a really fucking good time. I like being supportive of the team. I don't mind being a staff member. It's interesting to see the other team, um, other people on teams and see how they treat you when they find out that you're a staff member. It's, uh, you can tell a lot about how people perceive staff by how they, they, you know, that little like, oh, no way, are you serious? Like, maybe if they, maybe if you told them that, uh, you got fired or you, you have a really bad athlete's foot and it's incurable. I, I feel like I'm constantly telling other riders I have athlete's foot. I don't have athlete's foot, but fuck, I really, I really feel like my life is athlete's foot right now. Little, little fungusy, a little stinky. There is a cure. You just have to be uh, a human being and not a lazy sack of shit and figure out the cure. Okay, enough of this weirdness. I'll try to get enough of this weirdness. I, I like being the the bus driver i'm gonna soon be a director sportif for mountain khakis i'm accepting the non-bike racer life i it's hard now when you go on a bike ride and you see your legs and they're they're not um these lean uh powerful things anymore they're softer they're misshapen looking at you have like funhouse legs and your body looks more funhouse and you try to not obsess about it because this is part of it, but there's a part of you that enjoyed being a weapon. There's a part of you that enjoyed having a purposeful built body. I'm going to miss that. I don't miss the racing, but I miss the exhaustion afterwards. I'm going to miss the the fitness you feel afterwards. I'm, I'm going to miss all those things. But I, ha- I have to be honest with myself and know that where I was when I, when I quit was in a position where I couldn't even be that fit. I couldn't be that exhaustion. I have to remind myself and I'm going to keep moving on and and hopefully help other people be that weapon and be that uh purpose built machine. Uh I should probably talk about my guest this week. My guest is Neil Rogers. He's a journalist for Velo News. He's the editor of Velo News in fact. Uh, known him for a long time, probably since 2003 or so. 
Sometimes we get along, sometimes we don't. Uh, I don't know much about journalism, but I know a little. But I know a little bit about cycling journalism, and I only know that because it's my profession, and they comment on my friends and my rivals, and I. I probably read way too much in the stories, and out of my sheer ignorance of what they do and why they do it, I. I just felt like I needed to um, talk to them. Why not go to the top? Why not go to uh, the editor of Velo News? So, here's my here's my story. What kind of machine is that? I forget. It's pretty nice though. It's definitely we. You know, we got married and uh, we had another one that we got as a gift, and it kind of. It was like a hundred and fifty dollar espresso machine, right? And it kind of sucked. Yeah, it just quit working after like yeah. six months. Yeah. And my wife is like the consummate, just like get online and read reviews. Right, and, right. Yeah. She gets all the best stuff. Yeah, like she's a bargain hunter. I mean, she's not afraid to spend money, but only if, it's if she knows she's getting something good. And so this thing, you know, we got it at Macy's, which is where we were registered, and. I think that's like a $500 machine, so okay. it's, it's not like the $2,000 Seiko sure, sure, Deluxe, yeah. but it's not a piece of shit that's going to break right. in a year. Um, yeah, we're pretty happy. I just got one of those. I got like the automatic guy. So the espressos don't, they don't, they're not super nice, but they're... So you just pour the beans in, and it grinds it, just does everything. and it packs it. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like super packed, and it's not super dense, but... It's, it makes you don't it. have to think. It's a DeLonghi. Yeah. That's we got like some screaming deal on it because it was like, friend worked at Starbucks, so they got the discount, and then it was on sale, so it was like the discount plus nice. this whatever, going broke, saving money. Man, since we got an espresso machine, I don't really drink coffee. I just drink espresso. Yeah, I go back, well, with the summer, with it being hot outside, it's hard to sit down with a mug. Yeah. You don't want to do that. So, okay, just to finish your your tail. Oh, yeah, so basically the back, it's been getting worse and worse for like five or six years, seven years. And uh, it's super frustrating because when it's good, bike racing is pretty easy, you know. Like, it's not that bad. So, like, it it got really bad. It would be bad at, like, Utah, tour Utah last year, and I could, like barely get on my way some days and then it's good at Colorado and I'm making the front group and the climb and I haven't really even trained for it and I'm like 15 pounds heavier than the next lightest heaviest guy yeah you know yeah. like you're dropping Ivan Basso and you're just kind of like and Cadell Evans you know and you're just like fuck it'd be nice if I could train consistently I might actually be pretty good at this bike race and stuff so nature value raised and when did you actually make the conscious decision I'm done well, I was still hopeful at Nature Valley. I was like, okay, I got top 10 in a time trial. Like, this is okay. Like, I got it back on track. And then the last day at Nature Valley, Stillwater, I did a lap and a half. I couldn't ride. Went home. Didn't get any better. Horrible, horrible. And just mentally, I've been fighting for seven years. Yeah. So then it was to the point where I just called Johnson. I was like, dude, I got no fight in me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm... Like, I called him in January, February, yeah. after the crash. And I was like, dude, I don't know how much fight I have left in me. Yeah, yeah. If it, was, if it was anybody else, if it was 
not Jonas as my boss, I would have just, I would have just lied and said my knee hurt and Take a lot the of paycheck for yeah. the year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so now I, I mean, they're still gonna pay me out, but I'm just gonna do random stuff for them just to help. I'm gonna drive the bus for them at Colorado and Utah. Yeah. I'm gonna run a car up to Toro Alberta for them. Cool. That's cool. You gotta stay busy, otherwise you go crazy. Yeah. So. Wanna sit down somewhere? Yeah, yeah, we can sit down over here. Let's do it. I might could take a leak as well. Let's do it, man. Grab a glass of water too, bud. Absolutely, glasses are right there. Yep, and the pitcher is right here. So you got some other uh, podcast interviews set up for in Boulder? Uh, no, you ended up being pretty much the only one. Uh, I mean, everybody else I could grab is gonna be at Utah and Colorado. Yeah. So let's do it then, and then today's Amy's birthday too. So yeah, um, she's walking around the right now. Oh, cool. Well, you know, if you want, you can leave the car there as long as you want. Okay. I'm going to be around all day. Okay. And then I can just spring you out whenever. It's just to have a little thing that, yeah. you know, as a resident. Oh, yeah, right, right. Mara, so, Mara Abbott's in the Springs, too, so I might go grab her. She's in the Springs right For now. For just doing something randomly. Gotcha. So I might, I don't really know her, though, so I don't really. She's I chatty. I to be a little bit more organic than just like. Yeah. So tell me about. Eating disorders, dude, because they're really because that's something interesting to me is like how prevalent they are in dude cycling, but yeah. like it's not, it's like very, like it's not really talked about, it's not a very uh, right because it's so associated with a female thing that's like I think it's more embarrassing for guys than it is for girls. Hey, you can use this manorexia, right? Right, yeah. Here's a funny Mara Abbott story. So last weekend, I um. We had a big feature on her a couple issues back. Sure. And I don't remember. She oh, she just emailed me and said, hey, I'd like to get a stack of those and give them to my mom to give sure. to friends and stuff. And she actually talked about her eating disorder in that issue, which I thought was kind of... Um, it's gutsy. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. hey, I'm willing to share this with my mom's friends, you know, type yeah. of thing. Um, so I said, sure, I'll bring some home. We can connect over the weekend, so... Saturday, we missed each other, Sunday, and then finally Sunday evening, I was actually going to dinner, and as she said, I'll just meet you on the corner out front um, on your way to walk downtown, and then like 20 minutes later, I got this text, she was like, do you have any inner tubes I can borrow? <laughs> She's like, I'm going for a big ride in the morning, and I just went by U-Bikes, and they're closed, and I don't have any inner tubes, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I got inner tubes for you, no problem. But I got out, you know, I was texting her and then my wife was just like, 
I can't believe the w- the winner of the women's Giro needs inner tubes. Needs inner tubes. Like she should just have a, a, a suitcase full of inner tubes and tires and you know. And the, yeah, it's. I mean, she's one of the best women bike racers in the world. You can't without yeah. without question. Yeah. yeah. And you know, just. I mean, even if I guess I, someone. I am. Ha- I am. Because you know, I live next door to Katie Compton. Um, I didn't know you guys were ne- like neighbors. Yeah, I get like. Okay, our house don't literally touch, but I can look in her backyard. Gotcha. Like maybe three houses. Okay. Um, so it's always interesting to see what she's done, gone outside it, and how it will work for select things because it's easier for a sponsor to go behind one person. Trek could be like, well, I'll just sponsor Katie, uh, pay Mark as a mechanic whatever that's the investment for that's like so much smaller than saying like oh i want to win the women's because and i'm speaking purely out of my own ass but i would imagine that katie winning the us gp boulder gets more eyes than winning the giro huh yeah i don't know so that'd be a question for brian holcomb in terms of our web traffic i have nothing to say to that guy (laughs) (laughs) i like brian just felt like being mean for a second this is a um Feel free. This is a. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, feel free to be as mean as you want. This house is a. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah, anybody. Yeah. yeah, this is a speak-free zone. I think, I've. It's taken a long time, but I feel like it's. I finally got to the point where people realize if I'm being mean to them, then like I'm actually. It's endear. It's a, it's it's a sign a very, of endearment. Like, like I'm still 12 years old on the playground. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm not talking to you, then it's probably like. I can't waste energy. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm just so embarrassed behind my feelings that the only way to mask them is to put hate first. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites was when I was talking shit about Tom Waits. On... Dude, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Like, I was going to ask if you still remember that. And your, your, your reply was, you can't be helped. Dude. <laughs> I like, I was imagining you driving and like an Audi listening to like Panic in the Disco or Arcade Fire <laughs> and shit talking Tom Waits when the exact people that you love like Panic in the Disco and Arcade Fire would stand behind Tom Waits like if anybody talks bad about Tom Waits I, I, I can't be responsible for yeah, them anymore yeah. I don't sorry man I just can't I just can't do it I do like Arcade Fire I don't think I I could name a Panic in the Disco song. I couldn't I've, either. I couldn't I've, name either, but I just know that people in Boulder really love those bands. I was thinking of this. You could use this in your podcast. I don't know if anyone Dude, would find this interesting. Okay, podcast. cool. I don't edit this really. <laughs> so here's a funny Arcade Fire story. I went to see them play at the Larimer Lounge in Denver before anybody knew who they were. Sure. And it was a recommendation from a buddy in San Francisco. Oh, this band is blowing up. You got to go see them. So I went to go see the show. They were amazing. Blew the fucking roof off the place. I mean, it's you knew halfway through the show this band will never play a venue this sure, size sure, ever sure. again. It was like seeing U2 in 1980 or You're something. You're witnessing something right now. And uh, as an encore, they played, um, I think the song's called This Is The Place. It's a Talking Heads tune that they do. A, no, Naive Melody, I think it's called. I can't remember what it's called. It's a Talking Heads song that they do a version of. But I didn't know. Yeah. And so after the show... You're not big into Talking Heads? No, not really. I'm huge in Talking Heads. Talking Heads and Tom Waits. Yeah, we, could, we should make a list of all the bands that... Like, I'm going to give you a playlist. One of us likes and the other doesn't. 
I don't dislike the heads. I just, I never really, anyway, so, um, after the show, I mean, it's a, you know, that venue is like the size of this living room and they're carrying the equipment, uh, off the stage and just kind of hanging out. And I just wanted to say, Hey, great show. I really enjoyed it. And I was talking to this singer, Wynn Butler and, uh, I said, yeah, I really liked that last tune. It was a different sound for you guys. You know, it almost had kind of like a, like a David Byrne kind of, <laughs> kind of a, <laughs> kind of did a vibe he, to it. Did he think you were joking? He just kind of looked at me. He's like, yeah, that's a Talking Heads song. <laughs> yeah, no, David Byrne wrote that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, David Byrne's a huge cyclist. Yeah, yeah. He did. wrote a, he wrote a book about traveling across country on yeah. a cruiser. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously Robin Williams as well. Oh, yeah, David Byrne. Uh, do you have do you like Daniel Johnson? Yeah. God, well, I mean, I don't know a ton of his stuff, but I like what I've heard. I was on a Daniel Johnson kick last night. I love the Devil Town. Have you Have you seen the documentary? Uh. Uh-uh. What's Devil, it called? The Devil Inside Daniel Johnson. No. Dude. He's crazy. Yeah. No. That's pretty much the whole documentary. Yeah. Is how nuts this guy is. Yeah. It's. Ugh. Where did you find it? Because uh, I've heard Netflix. of it. Netflix. Yeah. yeah, I would watch that. I tried to buy it like I wanted it on iTunes so I could like show it to people. But you know who's a big Daniel Johnston fan? Huh. Cobain. Oh man, I haven't heard much from him lately. <laughs> I don't know what he's up to. So, dude, uh, <laughs> tours over. Like, and then he went straight into the the. Utah, Colorado prep. Yeah. Is I'm, there a downtime for you guys? Mm, you, you'd think. I mean, there, there used to be. It's sort of been filled by special issues and whatnot. It used to be kind of right around cross season yeah. in the winter. How many riders and like uh, contributors do you have? You know, it's tough to say because of, in terms of commitment. I mean, I, I sort of tell people I manage a dozen people. Mm. That's like six or eight or so in Boulder. And then, you know, like Andy Hood mm. is over in Spain, mm. but he's full-time. Um, and then we've got, you know, like guys like Logan Von Bokel who are part-time. Uh, Leonard that guy's name was a joke for a while. <laughs> it is. Like, it's kind of like a Steel Von Hoff kind of name. Yeah, he like said something to me like on Twitter and I was like, oh, that's a pretty clever name. Because <laughs> I read, I, I read his Bonkle, uh, so I was like, "Oh, Van Bonkle, okay, yeah, I got it, I got right. it." And then it was like, "But like, crampy Von Bonks a lot, right?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, that's cute." And I was like, "No, dude, that's his real name." So we got you know some guys like that that um, they're not full time, but in terms of assignments and and in terms of you know keeping them informed or just being on the masthead and being involved. Um, it's about a dozen, um, you know, and then there's people like Casey Gibson and Graham Watson that mm-hmm. they're not full-time employees, but they're definitely regular. Contributors. Yeah. Regular contributors. Exactly. Is it a, is it pretty much the same with the print? Like you guys have the same amount of, people yeah, it's the same people. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with the staff about that yesterday because we're definitely needing to integrate a little bit more in terms of you know historically there's been kind of people who focused on the magazine and people who focused on the website but um it needs to really we need to really view it even more so as a brand i mean this is just an example and i don't think anyone will find this interesting but you know like our photo editor um has historically focused on the magazine 
And then, you know, for the website, um, the web editor takes the photo galleries that Graham or Casey sends in and, and deals with them. But, um, you know, we hire out help on online because there's so much coming in and Brian Holcomb can't do it all. Well, why aren't we having our photo editor post online galleries? He is yeah. the photo editor, you know, right, and it's, right. it's not his fault. It's just like that's, that was always a structure that was in place. It's just questioning prior priorities uh, yeah. really or, not, or just why do we do things yeah, yeah yeah so there's a couple people on staff i mean brian holcomb our web editor pretty much only focuses on web although he did come in last week and read some pages for an issue we were putting to the printer and then our our designer for the magazine mike reisel pretty much focuses on the magazine what's the difference in content that you put on the web versus inside the mag i mean basically the website is the newspaper it's news. Right. It's straight information. This is what's happening. And the magazine is the why it's happening, what it means. It's the analysis. It's the... It's more in-depth. Yeah, it's in-depth. It's more color. It's more do you feature. Have, do you have uh, the same readership or do you notice that there's more demands from one side Oh, I mean, the numbers on the website are huge compared to the magazine. Well, sure, but, like, I guess, do people, do you, do you hear more from people, like, in the magazine side saying, like, hey, we want more of this, or do you hear more? What seems, what side seems more demanding than being fed? Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I would always, without having given that a lot of thought, I would always say the web, just because it's so immediate. Right. You know, it's, I mean, do you a, feel a story like, goes on the website and the, the reaction is immediate, right? I mean, you get emails uh, and tweets. But you guys, you guys, have, the comment section kind of went down and you guys really haven't put it back up, but it seems like there's not really a hurry to put it back up. Either. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked me about that because that's been kind of an internal discussion. And this is what happened uh, in a week before the Tour de France. Our, you know, we required a Facebook login. Yeah. For the comment section, the reason we did that was for accountability because it yeah. just got out of control with all the anonymous accounts and you know, it just became a race to the bottom every single time. Yeah. Even with Facebook, that was still somewhat It was case. funny though because like I don't – as a rule, I don't look at comments. But like yeah, every once in a while you'll just – you'll scroll through. And it was funny because at first, maybe like within – for the first two or three weeks, you would see the comments – and they were with the Facebook thing. They were generally pretty polite, and I'd say I'd say they were pretty polite for maybe a year or so. And then it seems like the last three months, people just yeah didn't care anymore. Yeah, whether or not that's their real name or they set up a fake Facebook account just to post shitty comments. There were that. There were instances of that for sure yeah. that I that I'm blocked. You'd block them. Yeah. Where you're like, that's a fake account somebody set up just so they could comment, which is amazing to me, honestly, that people care that much. Uh, I know that you know people. Cycling is a sport that brings out a lot of passion in people. I think sport and sport and politics are the one are the things that people will. They and, they can't you don't participate in it, but yet you know about it. You don't feel like, strongly about it, and you. I think people demand more from politicians and sportsmen than they do themselves. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. The, the the amount of false indignation on Twitter and in the comments section yeah. is just overwhelming. I was never a fan of the comments from the very beginning, uh, but it was implemented and from the... But is there like a side of you that like, 
I wanted to like if I'm running a business and now maybe I'm the editor and I want to I want to show that under my supervision I've gotten so many click throughs and whatever right I don't know the fucking terminology <laughs> but um, when you have comments you're gonna have people repeatedly opening this page right and I don't want to say falsely inflating the number but the number does get inflated because of like that has to be like some kind of like traffic driver yeah that's why I like cycling news in their forum yeah like they'll never shut that fucking forum down even though nothing reasonable has ever come from that <laughs> like it's always funny to me when you're the news and you're generating news yeah like right oh well Vodder's logged online and said this and I was just like oh. yeah that's I mean, the that's new- great he said that, but I don't know if that's the fucking point of your site, man. That's the new media landscape that we're all trying to get our heads around it. Uh, but anyway, to back up, you know, when I said I'm glad you asked me about that. So what happened and why I'm glad you asked is because we haven't actually made any kind of public statement about the content, uh, about the comments. We did a little quick Twitter and Facebook poll and mm-hmm. most people were for keeping them shut off. What happened was we were spam bot attacked on Facebook mm-hmm. and our comment section just started filling up with these, you know, yeah, it was more, it was this, the avatar photo of some sexy 22 year old wearing nice. next to nothing, nice. you know, how you I, got rid of that. <laughs> hey, I made $80 an hour from home and you can too, you know, and, Tell me how. and it was, you know, it, I mean, I remember one night I had my laptop open, I was sitting here watching something on TV and. They were just popping up every minute. And so we made the decision, all right, let's shut down the comments until we can get this under control. This was a week before the tour, and it prompted an internal discussion. And I just said, I'm I'm all for keeping the comments off. I think that they, at times, offer something, but more often than not, it just becomes... You know, like you can run a story about like the new SRAM mountain bike group. And within five comments, it's about Lance Armstrong and doping. Sure, sure, sure. And it's just like it's just tired. And it's always this, it was always the same fifteen, twenty people. And it was like, why are we allowing these same? I mean, within you know, obviously it wasn't, but yeah. ma- the majority of the time, like, why are we offering well, the same like, fifteen and twenty people the opportunity sure. to just talk shit sure. at the bottom of our stories without with, a unique perspective? Yeah, it's, it's never it's, a nuanced view. It's never something. Oh, well, that's a good. Man, that's it. You know yeah. what? Occasionally, you get like one in twenty or one in forty yeah. that were was some, you know. And and do you remember when I would I I was having fun with your guys's thing for a while, and I would if there was a story that I knew nobody would comment on, like a new SRAM Red Grupo, I would comment first. I don't. You don't? No. Come on. I honestly quit paying attention. Maybe to gotta, the, to no, the this comments. was early. This is like right as you guys first started doing Facebook comments. I would. I would do first. I would, that was my thing for a while. I tried to get it to catch on. Nobody really followed me down that road. Well, that's that's interesting that you guys took. Because I, I think you're right. I don't think that the comments add much, except I think it's going to generate higher higher uh, refreshes. and. Yeah. Well, then that's sort of so, – so that was the last thing I was going to say on it. So it's a bit of an experiment. And I've had a couple of the guys, Brian, Holcomb, Matt Bowden, say, listen, we should really put something online that explains we shut down the comments and this is why. And I've been hesitant to do so only because I want to see what happens. I want to see if there's any noticeable difference in traffic. If it's a significant difference, we could bring them back. We're not in the Mm -hmm. business of driving people away. 
if it's negligible or we can't tell, we're going to keep them off. Um, you know, like I said, we took a poll and the majority of the people we polled wanted them gone. The majority of emails that I've gotten are from people who want them back. But then how many emails are that? I would say if I had to, to guess, since we shut them off a month ago, I've gotten 50 emails. And what are, what are the, the general... Why arguments? did you turn the comments off? This is one of the things I enjoyed about Vela News. It offered a different perspective. Um, you know, some people said... I'll Namely get... my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are a handful of people said, I'll just look for my cycling news elsewhere. Um you know, but again, the type of person that is more likely to send an email to the editor is probably the same type of person that's more likely to comment versus when you just put up a poll, yes or no, the numbers swayed much more but towards keep them the thing off. too with that is that people will always comment negatively. Right. They always comment and like the amount of times that people comment with something nice, you know, like it's it's so rare that like I've I think I'm just a contrarian to the bone. Like it's just in me, and like no, you're not, <laughs> dude. You're right. Um, <laughs> I feel like I always have to with stuff like uh, the comments or what. I I, I I don't feel like they could do any anything. Like I just I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. They need to come up with an – I agree with what you're saying. And they need to come up with a, an agreed-upon algorithm that says, okay, like because people are more likely to comment negatively than positively, um, one positive comment is the equivalent of ten negative comments to give you a like scale a of what the actual – uh, perception of sure, your sure. your work is, sure, you know, like sure. okay, well, hey, look, I got fourteen negatives and six <laughs> positives. That means I'm up, sure, actually, because sure. that's more like, uh, you know, 104 like, to like 600. And you don't get into any line of work to get pat on the back. That's crazy, childish behavior, <laughs> right? You do it because you have something you want to do well, and hopefully, yeah. you get some kind of satisfaction right. out of it. But like. How often, if you feel like, oh, I'm, I have a unique point of view, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really cut through some fat and and really execute this idea. Like, how many times do people go like, hey, you know what? That's totally free content, and I appreciate you guys doing this site. And, um, you know, I don't agree with it. I think it's, I think you're a bit off base, but. You spend more time in it than I do. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I make widgets. Um, <laughs> it's never that. It's never. You know, it, it, I've gone out of my way. Like now that I'm doing the podcast, if some because and and it's also us because like if somebody if somebody gives you a compliment, they say uh, Neil, that was a really good story. You hear it right, mm. and you and you let it in a little bit. But if somebody says like something negative, it stays with you so much longer. Oh yeah. And it could be the most baseless negative comment. Whereas, like, the positive comment could have, like, echoed some of your own sentiments and and hit an angle that you didn't think of. You're like, oh, this fucking guy totally gets it. Yeah. Like, you're right. But yeah, then, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, GearMasher56 <laughs> writes and goes, uh, Neil, you're uh, a queer who lives in Fort Collins. And you're like, well... 
Like, none of that's true. Like, you weren't even right, but, like, it that will... Yeah, that's why they need that algorithm. So, like, I've noticed with the podcast, like, if somebody tweets me anything nice, like, I'll immediately, like, favorite it. Because it's, like, you you won't favor... Like, somebody tweets you a nice story, like, hey, man, that was a good story. You don't favor it or, like, whatever. You're just, like, oh, thanks. But then if somebody says something nice, you engage that. But, like, so now I'm going out of my way. If somebody says something nice, I'll engage the nice thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas before, I always thought that was kind of like self-serving and kind of like, yeah, well, I don't know, like stroking your own ego or like masturbatory. Like I feel <laughs> like this is like, oh, you have to like really encourage people, because ultimately people comment to you and say things to you to get noticed. So like, why give them that satisfaction of being noticed when they're just gonna be assholes? Right, right, right. Like I don't. Well, it's like the letters to the editor of the magazine. Right. I mean. You pay $5 for a magazine. You expect it to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, Why would you be, feel prompted to then write a letter? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I gave you my $5. There's going to be a tersely worded letter. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're going to know my feelings by the end of the first paragraph. Like, I'm writing four paragraphs, but they're going to know how the rest of that <laughs> this, this page is going just by the first paragraph. Well, the last thing I will say about the comments, and I think I already said the last thing I... I said I was going to say the last thing, but since we're still talking about it, yeah, I'll say it again. This is the brilliant thing with the podcast, is that, like, it's not going to be edited down. It's not like, people hear your full inflection, and they they know, it's not like one tweet where they could find one sentence, and then they pulled it out, and they're like, oh, this, I have an argument with this, because... You force people to shut up and listen for an hour. Yeah, rather than being misquoted, everyone's just going to have to listen to me babble on and on and on and the people who don't and the people who complain aren't the type who listen to right yeah well what would i let me see if i could oh so the the one thing that i really wrestled with when i when we turned the comments off was am i making this decision based upon what's best for the brand Mm. or am i is this decision coming from my ego Right. Because I've been slammed in the comments, it's all and you're and I've you know I've I've definitely I mean I've had my wife tell me stop reading the comments. Yeah, it it only upsets it's affecting you. Our whole yeah, life. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really did have to you know try to distance myself. Okay, well my job is to steer this brand, not get emotionally involved. Um, and I I I do think it was the right decision. But the one thing I will say to that is when I thought really thought about it it was more than when it bothered me to see my stories or my name get dragged through the mud it bothered me to see my my team like right. if somebody would say something bad about something matt had written or andy hood or, or matt's never written anything bad or anyone yeah holcomb <laughs> it really upset me i'd really feel defensive you know yeah, like yeah, talk yeah. shit about me all you want but yeah, yeah. but like don't fuck with my guys right and and you know, again, is that the reason you make a decision like that? Just because, you know, but the, the other thing is, and I think it's important to remember, and I did have an email dialogue with one guy. Somebody said, well, you're shutting off um, inner interconnectivity. You know, the, 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 the Internet is all about um, interactivity. Is that the, maybe that's what I'm trying to think of? Um, you know, it's a two way dialogue and you're cutting that off. And I said, well, listen, we're emailing right now. Yeah. And we have a Twitter account and we have a Facebook page and every one of our stories is posted on Facebook and we look at them all. Yeah. So we're not cutting it off. We're just redirecting it. There's still ways you can get your feedback. Yeah, but this, this also segues into something I was 
that I think we've briefly talked about it on Twitter before. And uh, just so you know, I'm not a journalist. I don't know if you got confused by that. Well, the glasses threw me off. Yeah, it does make me look pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't have a... So feel free. Like, I'm speaking from a place of ignorance. Sure. So... But I, I do, as, a, as an athlete, as a rider, like, I feel like I have these, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky. I was really lucky that I'm such a fan of cycling and that I was good enough to participate in it. Like, I really did live, like, the best life. Um, it's not over, dude. No, it's not over, but I got really lucky. Yeah. I got closer than any cycling fan can get. Sure, yeah. So I, I definitely feel like I straddled both sides. And I, and I got in at a time of cycling that was really weird. Yeah. I got in at a very transitional time. Like anybody who was born from like 80 to 83 and... I would say you got in before the transitional time. You got in... I got in right before and then right, lived yeah. right through the middle of yeah. it. Um, there was a lot of transition going on in 99, 2000, 2001. It was pretty fucking stuck in the mud. No, there was nothing, there was nothing happening. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I literally saw it change. Yeah. Yeah. Up close. Yeah. During your career. Um, so I, I feel like I read these news stories with both sides of my brain. You know, like I've met these guys who get demonized and I see them as like, humans and more often than not just weak humans sad almost and i consider not that i'm like a proud i fuck up a lot (laughs) but and then you see the what what i struggle to figure out is when i see the 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 journalist personality creep into the story yeah and i think we've talked about that before like what point is that like, are you conscious conscious of swaying the pitch, even with like your personal Twitter account? Like, because I've had this talk with Benson a lot of like, people complain like, oh well, uh, like maybe like three or four years ago, he's like, oh well, Radio Shack won't talk to me, and I was like, yeah, because they read your Twitter account. Like, I if I was. Lance, if I was if I was Vodders, if I was and I saw this shit you wrote, like the snarky throwaway lines, which you're like completely entitled to. But like I'm also completely entitled to talk to whoever I want to. Of course. And if that damages my sponsor, then that's on me that I'm not getting pressed. But like it's what where do you draw the line? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's a it's a complex subject. Um because I don't. I want. I want selfishly, one hundred percent selfishly. I want cycling my news to be straight facts. I sure. want it to be. Uh, Certainly, if you could provide me in, with an example that comes well, like, to mind. Yeah, but I mean, not so much a Twitter, but a story. If you can provide me you know, an example I, yeah, of a right, story right, right. where you thought. And there if I was, was a journalist, I'd come in with examples. And I mean, I, the, I, the term I, is editor, editorializing. Where it's right, like, it's not right. news, there's an editorial angle, there's there an agenda this, like, to it. There was it. this throwaway sentence about something at the tour, and it was something along the Chris Froome lines of whether or not he should be... And it was like, it was written as a straight piece. But then there was like this tag at the end of one of the, uh, one of the paragraphs of like, you know, he was uh, tired of answering questions, he claimed... 
but with and then it was like the last tag was like but he couldn't expect to not get asked these questions after everything the sport's been through and it was like this little tag it was just like yeah you know, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's all of a sudden, it's that's and, editorializing. And and I, I realize like the Vela News is like it's a it's a smaller staff. You don't have a hundred people who complete disconnect. Probably ninety eight percent of the people who write there are fans of cycling. It's hard. Like I yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, how do you try to keep that in check, or do you try to keep that in check? Where yeah, it's a good question. Well, let's see a couple things. First off. As, much, as hard as we try as journalists, and again, you know, we're not writing about wartime atrocities or sure. politics or um, things that really matter. We're writing about bicycle racing. Yeah, see, and like along those lines, you say like, okay, they don't really matter. But then you'll see like on uh, uh, like on Twitter, there'll be like the journalist will be like, this guy, like you, you guys will see, you guys will, will break faith, like break character of a journalist. And you guys just showing human emotion, just be like, fuck this, this is incredible. I can't believe this is, and it'll be re- with regards to cycling. Sure, like then, Finney's win yesterday. Right, right. Like but, that was phenomenal. Right, and right. I was pumped. Right, and I'm not going to try to pretend. Right. So the other, what I was going to say is, first off, we're not, um, you know, we, not this robots. is sport. Yeah. And this is, you know, sport elicits passion. Yep. And secondly, learned this in college, and I firmly believe it. There is no such thing as objectivity. It doesn't exist. We can strive to get as close as we can. Does not exist. Everybody is coming from somewhere, and it's going to be reflected. So, I think that's important for people to, to to recognize. That's not to say that it shouldn't be. It's not a goal to strive towards, but I think it's unrealistic. So, take Finney's win. I'm, I put sure. something on Twitter yesterday. What an amazing win! First off, it was an amazing performance. Sure, yeah. Second, I've known that kid since he was 15. Yeah. Um, Every time he sees my wife, he gives her a hug. Yeah. It's impossible it's for me. It's a little me. inappropriate, that hug, I think. <laughs> it's a little too long. You know, am I going to, if, if Finney tested positive tomorrow, right. would I not report it? Of course not. I would report it. Yeah. Um, okay, but like, Does that mean that I don't? maybe have a little bit of favoritism towards a kid who grew up in the town where I live, who I've known since he was 15. Absolutely. I do. Okay. But let's take it. Let's take it to the other angle. Let's say he tests positive tomorrow, which he won't because I believe he's clean. I'm sure you believe he's clean. We're not, we're just using a very extreme. This is just an example, Taylor, (laughs) an extreme example. That'll never happen. Let's say he did test positive tomorrow. You know him this whole time. Would it be hard to put into, to not say, like, to put yourself into the story of, like, how can I be so deceived because, like, I knew this kid since he was 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's important to make, straight yeah, well, I mean, we do make a distinction on our website, and the example that you brought up might be an instance where we didn't do a good enough job with the Froome thing, but, okay, this is analysis. This sure. is commentary. This is opinion. And it says it right in the headline. So there's no question what you're reading. is You're getting an angle. Yeah, because yeah. I, I noticed on your Twitter account before I was doing some, you said at the very, you added a, uh, this is, these are just my opinions. Yeah. When did you add that? It's always been there since the beginning. Since the beginning. When since, I don't know, since I joined Twitter 
four really? years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Always. I didn't know that was yeah. out there. Yeah, because I work for corporations. They've been in real since 1970. I don't know about that. <laughs> That's it's a very old man white speak. It's true. But look, you're talking to, you're talking to an old white man. I don't know, dude. I'm not that much younger than you. I'd like to be cons- hope that you're still considered young. But, you know, the, 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 the bigger question, which is, um, or not the bigger question, but the original question, which was sort of, you know, putting things out there on Twitter, knowing that the, that the universe is, is going to see it. Yeah. And, and formulate their own opinions. And the people it's, that you need to get quotes from. Yeah, yeah. I try not to be overly disrespectful to anyone. That's not really my character, and I don't think it's really professional. I can't think of too many instances where what did I... you see, like, a Matthew Bowden or, a, or a Brian say something, and you're like, you know that that person's going to see it, and you know on a long enough timeline you're going to need a quote from this guy. Well, here's an example. I'm supposed to sit down and chat with Lance mm. next weekend mm. in Aspen right before mm. the Pro Challenge. Um, I put something on Twitter yesterday from uh, a clip from The Daily Show yeah. calling you know the biggest douche or yeah. big major douchebag or whatever. Right. It was funny and nothing they said did I disagree with. I wouldn't go and call Lance a douche on my Twitter account. But I do have a sense of humor, a sense of humor, but also, you know, there's a certain number of people that follow me and are interested in, 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 in what I find interesting or amusing or relevant. And I'm not going to censor that because I'm going to sit down with Lance. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, obviously comedy central has a much bigger reach than I do. So sure. if Lance was to come to me and say, Hey, why did you retweet that? Thing where they called me a douchebag on Comedy Central, I'd say, like, dude, it's out there. And, I, and you, you have know. to own it. And you're like, yeah. dude, I'm sorry, that was kind of funny. Yeah. 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 So, you know, Lance, that was kind of funny. And you might not agree, but, you know, that's the other thing is, I mean, I don't have to be friends with the people I report on. In fact, it's better that I, I'm not. But do you worry that, like, um, does it, does it, does it worry you at all that you're gonna that you would close the door? Like at what time? How far would it have to go before you have to tell somebody like, "Look, dude, we might need something from this guy later." Like, um, like, uh, like say, uh, just because we're in Boulder, Alex Howes, he he has a lot of potential. He could whatever, right? One of your reporters slags him off for whatever what reason you know he's gonna read it you're just like right uh, how far do you how far do you let it go before you kind of tell these guys like dude yeah we've talked about that a bit internally i mean i've got all the guys on my staff are pretty professional and they get it you know um do you think reporters should do that or do you think they should just you know because i've talked to holcomb about this a bit it's just like i feel like you if you you prejudice people to your stories when you do that, right, man? You know it's a really good, it's a good point, and I don't know if I have a solid answer for it. I mean, here's an example: and you go to any press room at a, at a, at a race, um, Tour of Flanders, Giro, Tour de France, Pro Challenge, whatever, and there's that decisive moment, and it elicits reaction. 
I mean, if you're at the Giro and Nibali attacks and drops everyone, the Italians, you hear, the, you know, you hear the clap and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it at the press room this year? Then? At the Giro when Wiggins crashed. People there was cheered. like four or five guys in the back of the room that, I mean, it wasn't like they, you know, that became kind of a big deal. Armstrong tweeted about it. David Walsh was mm. saying it didn't happen, which annoyed me because um, I was sitting right there and, you know, for him to try to, project that he knows what's going on in the minds of people sitting behind us is uh, while saying that I shouldn't project about what was going on sure, in the minds yeah. of people that kind of irritated me but uh, it wasn't like uh, champagne corked and sure. a pinata came out but it was definitely yeah. you couldn't quite there was my tweet literally said no questioning that there were cheers from the back of the room granted occasionally people creep into the press room that aren't journalists, you know, sometimes there's, there's team media officers, there's VIPs. It was kind of a funky press room that day. And I, I was in the front, they were in the back. So I didn't even, I didn't even turn around and look. Uh, I heard a little bit of Italian spoken from that general direction, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Andy Hood wrote in a piece, uh, from the tour when Chris Froome attacked on Vontu and dropped everyone, there was a collective like, ugh in the press room and it, you know, some of it, it's not so much that people are cheering against Wiggins. Honestly, it's like, they just want to have a race. They want to have something to write about when Froome attacks. But see, that bothers me. Cause like, if it says, if it's out there that like, Oh, well the press who, when you say the press, it elicits a fair, um, unbiased view and say, Oh, well the press, uh, yawned or, or laughed or guffawed when the X rider cracked. But you're, I feel like it because people are fucking mindless sheep. Sometimes they 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 say like, well, I had my suspicions about from if the press because Walsh wrote this, Kimmage and Walsh wrote these stories about how nobody believed on it. It's like this, it just echoes like it's it's this, it's it's a chamber of echoes. Sure, that, sure. That they self perpetuate and they have an interest in doing it. Well, I mean, in the Froome example that I was mentioning, truly, and I wasn't there. Sure. I, I left the tour after a week. Uh, it was... You were asked to leave, that's right. <laughs> I think it truly was, oh, man, well... This is going to be a dominance. Yeah, there's no more race. There's no more, yeah. you know, we still got X number of stages to race, and, and there, what are we going to write about every day? Right. Like, the, the biggest battle is over. Right. Um, so I think, you know, and I think with... Uh, when Wiggins crashed, well, Nibali had crashed earlier right. in that stage. So and the, at that time, Nibali and Wiggins were supposed to be the two biggest contenders for the race. So I think it was a bit more of, okay, well, our Italian favorite crashed. Now Wiggins has crashed we're back and again. we're back. Yeah, it's even yeah. and it's a race again. But, you know, the other thing that's important to remember is Wiggins is really tough with the press. Or, you know, mm -hmm. The press have a tough time with him. He can mm -hmm. be really, really rude. I've seen him be ruder than any athlete I've ever seen and that includes Mark Cavendish mm. um, and I like both of those guys I do um, I'd say to their face both of them you know you guys can be real assholes and I don't think that's a surprise yeah. um, <laughs> but you know I when Wiggins crashed and there were cheers to me again I can't I can't that. say what the people behind me were thinking, but there was a bit of you reap what you sow feeling yeah. in that moment. It's like, yeah. well, if you're going to be a jerk right. to press when they come to talk to you at the team bus before and after, right. don't be surprised if when you crash, uh, you know, there might be some people that are happy to see that. I'm not right. saying I condone it. I'm just right, saying right, like right, this right. is what 
probably was going on. And, you know, I think it's also important that people remember uh, Wiggins. He wasn't seriously hurt. You know, he slipped out, got back on the bike and kept going. It wasn't like a catastrophic, you know, wipe out on the descent. It was around a corner, wet, slip. So, you know, because that was what I think Armstrong was saying is, you know, people should not, you know, these guys take risks and that's not cool. You know, it's dangerous. And I agree with all that. that It it sets a weird precedent. And and if it's a greater sense than what it was, what it turned out to be. They're tired of getting lied to because as a journalist, you always are seeking the truth. And, you know, I think that, it, and it was a story that had dragged on for so long. And, you know, I got nothing against Lance per se. I know he treated a lot of people horribly. I never uh, wished him ill will, but I certainly wanted the truth to come out. I don't like, I don't like lies. I don't like existing in the, the ether of half truths and, or hundred percent non-truths. And, you know, I think that's what what's the sport needed to to move forward. So, and I think almost every journalist felt that way. So, you know, do you fault a journalist for sort of in that case taking a side? I mean, is that a side or is it on the side of truth? You know, and, and where's that line drawn? I mean, in the in the example of the UCI election, I believe Pat McQuaid needs to go. I think I don't know a lot about Cookson, but I think he's a better alternative. I think Pat McQuaid has had his run. I think he's done some good things. I think he's also done some bad things and been part of bad things. So, you know, will that show in our, in our editorial copy, perhaps at some points, but should I be faulted for that? Or should Velo be faulted for that? It's a good question, but I, do you really want to get your news from somebody that has no opinion? I mean, at the end of the day, every four years when there's an election cycle, uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times. Yeah. Well, they have a, a an editorial um, endorsement of a yeah. politician, right? Yeah. So, I mean, right there, yeah, these yeah. are the most respected newspapers in the United States. Yeah. They have an agenda. They have a viewpoint. This is what we believe. Mm. So, you know, whether it's, yes, I believe Armstrong should be stripped of his titles or, yes, I believe uh, Pat McQuaid should you know not be elected as a UCI president, Hopefully, the readership respects our our opinion and our authority enough that uh, they allow us the freedom to sort of report with that kind of um, what's the word intelligence or or authority authority yeah 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 I uh, yeah I don't know the question I don't know the answer question that's why I ask you yeah it's uh. I mean, you don't see any of our writers on Twitter. Pat McQuaid is a buffoon and has to go, um, even though you know to varying degrees we might believe that. And yeah, ab- absolutely, I'm not going to do that in part because I he may be elected and I'm going to need to talk to him again. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You got to you got to play it down the middle. You know, you, you got to be respectful. Yeah, I feel like I would. I mean, let me just hold on. I sat do down with McQuaid in, in uh, Louisville at Crossworlds. Uh, for an interview, one-on-one. And the first thing he said to me was, he put down <laughs> the most recent issue of Velo, which has a five-point plan to save cycling. And one of those five points was that the leadership at the UCI needs to change. And he says to me, I just read your story about how I should not be the president of UCI. So your name was Brian Holcomb. 
No, that was Neil. I didn't write it. I didn't. Oh, okay. But he said, why would I do an interview with you? And I said, well, that's a good question. And I think the reason you would do an interview with me is to tell me why we're wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. And I said, I hope that you realize that everything in that was written respectfully. We didn't, you know, we didn't call you names. We reported what we believe to be accurate and what we believe needs to happen. I mean, that whole five-point plan piece was opinion. This is our vision, our view. So, yeah, it was it was not straight news. And that's you know back to the question about what the magazine is. That it is. It's it's our spin. It's our analysis. It's our take. It's sort of take what's happening in current mm-hmm. events and spin it forward. Mm. That I just feel like, and again speaking completely ignorantly of your of your profession, I just feel like if I if I I'd almost be. I mean, I guess maybe it shows how much I've grown up in cycling, the culture I've grown up in cycling, but like, I would almost be like an assassin. I'd feel like I'd try to be an assassin. Like, I wouldn't ever say anything about anything on Twitter. Like, n- nothing that could be used against me, and I would just... Yeah, I guess I'd, I think of it almost... Wait, God, that must make your job harder. Sometimes. Well, you know, occasionally I'll say something that someone will take issue with and say, hey, stick to the news on my Twitter account. And yeah, I'll just I've, gotten say, a, I've gotten a few of those. I just say, hey, velonews.com is where the news is. This is my Twitter account. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want straight news, go to the website. Like the no Tom, one's forcing yeah, you to like follow. Yeah, the Tom Waits thing. I, think, <laughs> I don't think you should have brought that up on Twitter. That was fucked up, man. Drunken cookie monster. I stand by it. I, I could upset a lot of people right now with all the bands I don't like. <laughs> B- it, Bjork can't do it, can't have it. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to hear it. I'm not gonna turn it off, but I don't need to hear it. You know, like the other day, uh, because I I'm the other way. Like I don't like to comment that much on cycling just because it everybody has their own view. But like, there's some things that you feel like are universal truth. And it's funny when you feel like something's a universal truth and it comes back. I had a guy, like, the whole Zimmerman thing came on. And so I just said on Twitter, like, would you rather get beat up by a 17-year-old or shoot a 17-year-old? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel like it's a pretty simple question. Yeah. Like, getting your ass kicked is never fun. And it would suck. But, like, I think it's a little different when you have to fucking pop somebody. Like, I I don't know about that, right? This guy's just like, Stick to cycling. You're just like, well, you're gone. Like, I don't know. I don't block normally, but. Oh, I do. If so, as soon as somebody comes at me on Twitter and is insulting uh, to, to what I believe to be unnecessarily. So, like, it's not. We're not talking about dis- discourse anymore. Yeah. We're just talking about name calling. It's like, I don't need that. No one's forcing you to follow me. In fact, let me help you. Here you go. You don't have. You're not following me anymore. I I will respond to people with their real names. If it's a fake name, I don't I don't respond because, much in the same lines with like the, I guess, like when I when I bring up like what you guys say on Twitter, what journalists say on Twitter versus what cycling, I almost maybe it's a a point of um. Not jealousy, but. Uh, I feel like it's almost a little unfair, that sometimes it's like. If a cyclist has something on Twitter, it's immediately newsworthy. Like if you any little slip up, you're like, oh, bam, it's on a news site. Look at what so and so said. But yeah. then like a journalist could just say it. Yeah. Say the same, like a same, and it's it's not 
the level of accountability sometimes it it I realize it's not a a parallel that can be drawn but because it, journalists aren't really newsworthy yeah, I mean, nobody but the, really but sometimes okay but like with a guy like David Walsh and Paul Kimmage they've made themselves stories yeah. Paul Kimmage is a is a baby who stamps his feet whenever he doesn't get his way. Paul Kimmage has had at the Tour de France a documentary crew following him around. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like you're yeah. not fucking a news teller anymore. Like he had the balls to go, and st- like he's literally run out of shit to bash Team Sky about, and he's like, oh well, you don't treat Edvald Boysenhagen. And it's just like, what the fuck do you know? Yeah, like it's stuff like like how do you? Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Paul, but I do. Do agree you like that... grab him by the wrist like a mom sometimes and try to pull him away? Like, dude, no. What do you? Not at all. I don't have that relationship with him. What I, I would, I was gonna say, I have a lot of respect for the work he's done. I think he's a fantastic writer, and I think he's got a lot of courage. But I do think that he has injected himself, become more than a journalist. Yeah, uh, he's he's, a he's he's become part of the story and. Um, you know, he's also had, he's he's had a hard go of it. You know, I mean, uh, lawsuits and, and and then the Kimmage Fund, and then even getting their shit stolen at the tour. I mean, it's mm. it's it's it seems as though he does what he believes in. He's in perhaps a certain a, about a certain amount of that though he creates. It's tough to say. You've I mean, never been sued. I've why, never been sued. Um, partly. You know, back in the Armstrong era, I mean, Velo wasn't sued because we didn't have the resources to defend ourselves. And we made some decisions about what we could go forward with based on what we had. Sure. And we knew we'd be sued and it would bury the company and Velo yeah. News would be gone. Me personally, um, there was that time you were pretending to be a doctor. <laughs> you got sued for that. That was bad. Injecting women's lips with fake silicone. That was fucked up. <laughs> Uh, what part of you, like, there has to be a part that's, because you're reading clicks, right? And uh, how do you stop from being, like, a news aggregator, like, like a, like a HuffPo or something where you're linking to other stories? How, is that something that you try to stay away from or you just, like, fuck it? Like, we're going to link stories, we're going to do this, get clicks up, and then I'll tag that with... Is there? Cause I tease Benson about it because I feel like there, there'll be this lull in in news, right? There'll be a, there'll be a, a general lull, and I feel like it's time for like the journalist and and sites to like almost go back to the Lance well, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's how do we find? Well, in nineteen ninety two, now somebody admitted <laughs> taking that amphetamines, and like it's it's like you have to keep going back to this specific thing because you know it's going to generate a certain amount of clicks like I I was telling Vodders like I feel like the soap opera dynamic of cycling is a lot more interesting than bike racing oh yeah and I don't think there's any question at this point that there are I just wish people would admit that yeah because they say like oh I just want race and I can't wait till the race starts and then every year they say, like, man, the tour is boring this year. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, you just don't watch racing the think, months out of the year. And I'm not going to name any names, but sure. I think some of the people who claim that, you know, they're really all about um, – they get all worked up about doping and they just want clean racing. I think there's a percentage of those people that's the last thing they want. Mm. They love 
the the clandestine kind of spy novel backdoor yes, bus yes, broken yes, down yes, Ferrari yes. with the bags they love that conspiracy yeah theory. Conspir- yeah right. exactly I think there's a you know there's a uh, an element a fraction of the psych- of our readership who thrive on that stuff and it's, it will never go away I mean it's yeah. no matter what anything what happens what okay but like let's say that's like the fast food of journalism. In not every case, but in a lot of cases, you can rehash stories, repackage stories. Um, is there like a, a part of you that just accepts it, says whatever, we'll, we'll do this to get some clicks, or is there is it just an act of like fuck this, let's not go back here? I don't know if I asked that the right way, but I think yeah, you understood what I, th- I meant. I think I so. Think. I mean, look. I'm not sure if I'm answering this correctly or not, but I didn't. I didn't ask it very. Correctly. So, in terms of the the HuffPo thing you mentioned earlier, yeah. I mean, different sites treat stories from different news sources differently. Our policy is we call it a must read. If we feel that somebody else has written something that's so important that our audience needs to know about it, rather than write a post and just copy and paste it, mm. we sort of find the halfway point where we say, this is what's important. Here's a link. Go read it yourself. That way, our, you know, in case you missed it, as a Velo reader, we want you to know this. We're not going to write and, and copy and paste every single quote and try to call it our own according, you know, said uh, Sporza or whatever. Because, sure. you know, that's, that's not – I don't think that's really fair or yeah. professional. Okay. Other – Media outlets might have a different take on that, um, and we and we send it send it to them. And then our you know our policy internally is let's further that story. You know let, let's not just say well the Guardian owns that. It's like okay well let's what can we write story. that takes it you know what what how can we explore that and find another angle or what's the next step? Now it's been brought to our attention. Congratulations to them for breaking it. Sure. What's our you know how do we get ahead of that? Um, yeah, so in terms of the kind of uh, drumming up news. old old news, yeah, yeah. Um, we're pretty busy, man. We have a, a pretty tight staff, and uh, you know, sports like, cycling is like, so big. Say, There's but, so many stories to be told. Okay, but what I guess here's a better way of asking the question: You can spend um, a week writing a fairly uh, a story that maybe hasn't been done. Like, let's say, um, like, the Mar Abbott example. We'll go, all, go full circle. The Mar Abbott example. Um, probably the best female climber in the world. Uh, has an interesting backstory. Uh, versus um, Lance comments on Stewie O'Grady's recent... I mean, I'm, I don't run your guys' site, but I, I feel like I have a sense of the population and I I would put hard fucking money on that the Lance thing is gonna get maybe double the clicks the more oh, it's more yeah yeah ten times more how do you I mean is there a part of you that just gets frustrated with the public because like you can't write the story you you have this time crunch yeah you can't write the story every day you can't yeah. have a backlog of like two week three week stories that are interesting unique and informative because the fucking yeah 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 the Lance Well provides so much. Well, I'm going to answer that in a really general way, but I think okay. it'll paint the picture. So, you know, 
there's commodity news, which is what everybody has, whether it's a press release, whether it's um, wire service. You know, we use AFP, which is the French version of AP, kind of. Okay. Um, and that's where we get a lot of European stuff. We don't always – we edit it. Sometimes we just use it for the quotes. But that's commodity news. Everyone has it. Cycling News has it. Velo Nation has exclusive. it. Right. So there's a certain percentage of that that we have to report just because it's it's big. So, you know, what I've really tasked Brian and Matt and Andy and the rest of the team to do – is outside of the commodity news, what can Velo News do to establish its own unique brand, voice, identity? And as I was saying a minute ago, the sport of cycling is huge. There's there's world tour, there's domestic, there's women's, there's mountain, there's cyclocross, there's track, there's juniors. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So... And there's our own unique take on the commodity news. So, you know, what, what I've pushed for is you guys decide what are the most interesting stories in the sport that no one else has and pursue that. And I trust everyone's judgment. And yes, we have to do the commodity stuff to a certain extent, but we're sharing that. We're sharing it with Cycling News. We're sharing it with Velonation. Every, you know, you're not reading the same headline on three different sites. If you read it at Velonation, you're not going to read it at Cycling News. If you read it at Velo News, you're not going to read it at Velonation. So, you know, we got to have it, but let's not invest all our resources on that, and let's try to make intelligent decisions based on our our, our staff size and manpower, and what we think is going to set us apart. Mm. And, you know, whether that's the Mara Abbott story, whether that's an analysis piece, whether that's, you know. Does it break your heart, though, a little bit that you find, like, you're like, oh, I, I put, I found an angle and I just put a lot of time into it. And then you see. The... 3,000 3, people read it? Yeah. It does. Yeah, it's tough. It's. But, I mean. I mean, just as an example, domestic road racing stories. Yeah. Just shit. You know, Mark Cavendish uh, has diarrhea story gets ten times more clicks than yeah. you know Nature Valley yeah. uh, race report. Yeah. You know, some of that is on us to try to promote domestic what if, racing. What to, if Nature to, Valley changed its name to Mark Cavendish Grand Prix? Grand Prix. Yeah, <laughs> it might get more clicks. It's you know, I mean, it, a perfect example is the women's racing thing. I mean women's racing doesn't have the sponsorship it needs yeah. to prosper. And, you know... It's chicken and egg. Yeah, exactly. And they come to the media and say, well, if you covered us more, we would have more sponsors. And it's like, well, you know, it doesn't attract much interest. Some, but not a lot. And, you know, we have limited resources, so we have to make sure that we are you know, keeping traffic going because we're in the business of selling advertising. That's just how it works. It's not that we're not in favor of women's racing. It's just that we only have so many hours in the day. We need to eat and sleep and be with our loved ones as well, you know? So we're going to make sure that we're keeping the lights on and then we're going to pursue those sort of stories and uh, allocate those resources when we can. And it, and it, you know, so it is, it's a chicken and egg thing. And, you know, I don't know the answer there, but um, it is frustrating. No question. It's really frustrating because I've, I've, obviously the market's there like women would read about women cycling women are 
the majority of the population. Like, it's possible. I think the the one thing I I would just wish, again, ignorantly speaking, that women would try to do, because cycling is a failing business model. Yeah. You basically wait for uh, a donor to come in yeah. and sponsor a cycling team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. most races don't if make there, money. If, if there's most... a, and instead of trying to be a part of a failing business model, I wish that they would like find something unique, uh, use the lack of attention from the UCI as a positive to say like, you know what, we're going to host a, a unique stage race with uh, double days, downtown circuits, uh, team time trials with the team split in two, you know, unique nighttime crit racing, men not allowed, there's no men's race, there's just women, and you make something so unique and successful that you make the men come to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I I just wish, that instead of like, oh, we want to race the flesh alone the same day as the men. And it was just like, well, you know that the TV coverage won't be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, do it the day before. Mm-hmm. Press is in town. Mm-hmm. I, you're right about that. I mean, I can tell you, having been in the press room, <laughs> whether it's the Flesh Wallone or the Tour of Flanders, yeah. if, okay, a lot of times we just send one person to those races. Yeah. I'm in the press room. It's 80 or 60K to go in the men's race. And the finish is happening. I need to leave the press room, walk away from yeah. the, the marquee event, yeah. go to the finish line, yeah. watch it finish, get interviews, and I come back and it's 10K to go. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. And yeah, so I don't think that is the answer. I think, yeah, the day before or just creating your own better shit. Yeah. I mean, they did try that, you know, the, the, we've had the, the HP women's challenge. And that was the hugely successful, yeah, but it, it the, just, they need, I mean, the exergy tour for one year. Yeah. I mean, that was a cool event. Things like that. Things like that. I think they yeah. just need to change racing. Cause, uh, so well, I, I think, I, I mean, you can't die in the, the sort of tradition. Like you yeah, can't do it. So like, you can't say like, well, bike racing has always been 160 K bike races. Yeah. So, Let's do that. Even though that the general attention span of the viewing public is getting shorter and shorter, like you need more dynamic shit. Yeah, you need yeah. nighttime circuit racing where people can come out and watch, and it's a short, easy format that people can understand. Right. Like you need instead of eight man teams or eight eight woman teams, you need six teams. Right. You know, like you need crazy racing. Yeah. <laughs> All but jumping pits of fire, <laughs> and. Riders and teams will complain, but that's only because they're not used to it. Right. But if you bring money and you bring regularity, people will people will adapt. Yeah, and I mean the question at the end is who does that? Who should be developing that? Should it be the UCI? Should sure. it be the riders and teams? Should it be the race organizers? Should it be the federation? You know, like the national if you federations. Want to be the po- if you want to be the most powerful person, you be the leader. Yeah. And if you're the leader, that means you don't wait for anybody. Right. You, you yeah, start yeah, doing yeah. it on your own. Yeah. But I mean, back to the question earlier, yes, it's frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. Anytime somebody asks me, why aren't you covering this? Yeah. Nine out of 10 times, my answer is, I would love to be covering that. Yeah. I, I love bicycle racing. And I, you know, I, I recognize that every uh, discipline from master's road to junior mountain bike, everything is important. And yeah. it's it's all yeah, it's all part <laughs> know, of the ecosystem, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, no, when we years ago sort of started backing away from mountain bike coverage, yeah. back before I was the editor, I was vocally opposed to that. Yeah. And I my argument was, Cadell Evans, Ryder Hegedal, 
Michael Rasmussen, Floyd Landis, Tom Danielson, Jakob Fuglesang. Like, we, our readers shouldn't be discovering these guys for the first time when they go pro at age 28 as a, you know, as a at pro road when they were a world champion on the mountain bike. Yeah. You know, I mean, or, or you know, another example would be like a Stebar. Yeah. You know, that should be a name that, you know, we, the guys in the breakaway at Roubaix shouldn't be the first time our audience is hearing that name. The guy's been a world champion in cyclocross. So, you know, I think all aspects are important. Unfortunately, you know, media is, is tough. There's, there's a lot of titles out there and advertising dollars are divided and uh, people are spending their money differently and resources are limited. And so we do have to make decisions and it doesn't mean we don't care. And it doesn't mean that we don't, aren't, uh, that we don't encourage all the disciplines. It's just, yeah. Anybody that has ever felt stretched thin can yeah. hopefully understand. Right. You know, decisions have to be made, and it's not always easy, but it's it's business. And 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 with re- with regards to the 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 stories that don't get many clicks, uh, there's this really good quote from funny enough from Bobcat Goldway because you know he started directing movies, and everybody just remembers him as the crazy guy on uh, Police Academy. Yeah. But he had a really good quote in just saying that. Instead of, you know, like, you're never going to get the whole world to like you. And instead of aiming to get, like, 80% of the world to like you and 20% to not like you, he's like, I'd rather 80% of the world hate me and then those 20% who know me love me. Yeah. Not just like me, but love me. Yeah. And I just, I think I, a lot of that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to try to make it for everybody. Like, far from it. But I, I, I don't have any overhead, you know. Like yeah. I, 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 I don't know how you guys are gonna do that. Like if that's, I feel bad that you guys can't do that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think if I was gonna start a new title, I might take the same approach. Yeah, you know, that's not Velo. Yeah, you know, Velo has a wide audience, and you know, it, it, we it historically has tried to appeal to. I mean, for a long time, the, the tagline was the Journal of Competitive Cycling. And, you know, things have changed since those days. And now, you know, we're, we're really aiming to be the authority on professional cycling. And, you know, I, I think it's cool, though, that other titles have popped up. You know, Cyclocross Magazine is a perfect example. You know, there's a lot of people that don't care about Cyclocross. But for the people that do, Cyclocross Magazine is fantastic. It's and, all, it's, it, the, the power is going to be in the niche. I mean, you say it with, like, uh, entertainment like yeah. there's no like the viewing figures on TV or movies are down so much that it it is like you're trying to grab smaller segments now loyal yeah passionate yeah yeah and you know to a certain extent that's part of what's kept Velo going too I mean in the print landscape in particular you know it's the general titles that are suffering and you know people who are passionate are willing to spend six dollars an issue or thirty dollars a year or whatever it is to subscribe to have that content because they love it you can't go without it you gotta have it and you know, that's there's something about having it in hand yeah. yeah well thanks dude yeah thank you it's been a pleasure can't wait to hear it